Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am so excited that you're about to listen in on another episode of the Made Possible by podcast. I wanted to take a quick second to let you know exactly what we do. Made Possible by makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Now let's jump into the podcast. Welcome to the Made Possible by podcast, where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, and thank you for joining us again for another conversation around good. I am Tracy with Made Possible By, and we love sharing stories of good. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do. I get to meet new people. I get to learn about new organizations or companies or individuals who are just choosing to make a daily difference in other people's lives. And today I'm excited to have with me some, I have two handsome gentlemen in the studio today. And by the way, shout out to Workflow um, Common Working Space in Oklahoma City. We're using their podcast room today. And I wanted to get, give a shout out to Pulse and Tax, to the lovely ladies at Pulse and Tax, because they were the one who recommended that I connect with you guys. Oh. So they think that what you do is amazing. And they said, you need to talk to them. I said, okay, I will talk to them. So uh, today in studio, I have with me Danny Cavett and... Mr. Cavett, I have a hard time calling you Danny, so forgive me if I just go back to the Mr. part. Oh, uh, well, Danny is just Okay, I'll fine. do my best. I'll do my best. Um, Danny and Danny Cavett and Neil Tate are our guests today. They are with Cavett Kids Foundation. Uh, Cavett Kids is a local nonprofit organization. It was established in 1997 to serve Oklahoma children, youth, and young adults battling chronic and life-threatening illnesses. And Danny, you're originally from Canton, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. You have a bachelor's in theology from Midwestern Christian College. You have a master in liberal arts studies from OU. You are the assistant chaplain at OU Children's Hospital for 44 years no, now. I'm, I'm the director. Oh, excuse me. You're the director. That's yeah. even better. There you go. <laughs> 44 years at OU. We'll talk about that. Danny's service and leadership have been recognized by a number of institutions, including, oh, you got Volunteer of the Year in 1999 from the National Kidney Foundation, the Frist Humanitarian Award, Employee of the Year at OU Medical Center. What year was that? Um, back in the 80s, I guess. Back in the 80s, somewhere. It's been a while. Um, and I don't even know if I'm going to say this right. Amicus... How do you say that? Yes, I'll let you say friend that. of medicine. Uh, that's, I got the translation, but um, my Greek is is not sharp. Amicus is good. Yes. Amicus. Well, what's the mm. second? How do you say the sec second part? Med, medicina? Yes. Okay, let's go with that. There you go. <laughs> so the Friend of Medicine Award from the OU College of Medicine and the Pat's Pot Visionary Award from the Oklahoma Center for Nonprofits. So clearly, you've got a lot going on. We're going to come back and let Danny tell us a little bit more about him. But I also want to introduce you to Neil Tate. Neil is the director of camps and programs for Cavett Kids Foundation. You're originally from Memphis. Right. Okay. You know what everybody says about Memphis, right? What's that? It, you've been to Graceland, right? I have not. What? Nope. A lot of people who grew up and live in Memphis never made it to Graceland. That is so funny. That's so funny. My sister lived there for a while. She was a tour guide there. So oh, okay. yeah, so that's, that's my references as Graceland. Um, and you've worked in nonprofits across Tennessee, Arizona, and Oklahoma. Um, you have a bachelor's degree in sports and sports management from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and a master's degree in nonprofit management from Oklahoma City University. And you're also on the board for Oklahoma City Young Professionals and Big Brothers and Sisters of Oklahoma. You are passionate about making camp opportunities available to all young people and removing barriers that stand in the way of success. So clearly we've got some, um, some big hearts, some big hearts and some hard workers in the room. So I want to circle back to you, Mr. Cavett, Dan Danny, Danny. There you go. Uh, <laughs> give us more of a 90-second, like a personal, tell us a little bit more personally about you. Well, I'm just an ordinary guy from Oklahoma originally, so and I've been here at the hospitals for 44 years. Uh, before that, I was in uh, regular ministry, especially youth ministry, and uh, as a result, they asked me to come to the hospital and help start the uh, chaplain department, pastoral care department, and I've been there for 44 years, so there's not a whole lot other than 
Uh, I've seen a lot of changes in medicine, let me tell you. I bet you have. Uh-huh. I bet you have. And recently, probably even quite a few more changes. <laughs> Always, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. So, and married? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm married <laughs> with uh, two kids, four granddaughters. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I chair of medical ethics at the hospitals. Okay. Teach that. And uh, I, out, I like to be outdoors, so camps fit my... Uh, yes, they do. Uh, operation there and uh, so my uh, relief for stuff is just get outside get outside Mm -hmm. what's your favorite outside thing to do well besides keeping up the house and lawn uh golf would be Mm -hmm. okay well you're oklahoma's a great spot because you can almost golf year round here it's almost you're right there you Mm -hmm. go okay Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. and four grandkids you get to see them a lot I get to see them quite a bit. They live here in the Oklahoma City area, yes. And one of them just graduated from OU. Okay. And uh, the other three are still in, in, uh, one's in high school and two in middle school. Okay. I'm Mm -hmm. glad that they live close and you get to see them. That's good. It makes life much easier Mm -hmm. when the family's close. That's great. That's great. Um, Neil, tell us a little bit more about you. I I was uh, looking at your, was it your dog, right? Yep. Puppy pictures. Yes, yes, I've got a lot of those. I have okay. a um, two-year-old Labradoodle named Albus. Uh, he just recently got certified as a therapy dog, so I get to bring him around to uh, interact with the kids some, and he loves it, and the kids love it, so it's a win-win. That's awesome. Um, I'm like, a, like you said, I'm originally from Tennessee. grew up in the Memphis area, in a suburb right outside Memphis called Collierville, and then went to school at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, East Tennessee is a, a great place to visit if, if you haven't been out there. Then I uh, moved to Oklahoma City right after I graduated and um, accepted a position with the Oklahoma United Methodist Conference and um, helped with their camp ministry for a few years. And that's actually how I uh, heard about Cabot Kids because they were a big customer of United Methodist camps. They, they um, would go down to Cross Point Camp on Lake Texoma, which is a United Methodist property, and okay. um, took our, our, our biggest camp, Camp Cabot, operated there for a long time, 10, 20 years probably. Uh, more than that. Yeah. And so they were, they're well known in the Methodist community and, mm-hmm. and their mission. And so uh, when this position, the camp director position opened up, I, I jumped at that and um, it falls right in line with, I lo- with what I love to do with just like Danny being outside, working with kids um, and helping them experience new things, learn new things and, um, and all of that. So I, I'm lucky and blessed to be able to love my job. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's. I, you wish it's not a rare thing, but I think it is a rare thing for yeah. people to really love their job. Yep. So you love being outside too? I do, yep. What's your favorite outdoor thing besides walking Albus? Yeah, besides playing with Albus. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just like to be out in, in nice scenery in the mountains. Okay. Um, I yeah. love going you know going down the Wichita's or yeah. down in the southeast part of the state as well. And, yeah. um, and we get to take a, Cava Kids takes a trip to Angel Fire, New Mexico, which oh. is one of my favorite uh, trips yeah. we take kids on. And okay. get to be in the mountains and take ATV rides and whitewater raft. And oh, so nice. Yep. That's awesome. Hard to beat. So you're, you're telling a Colorado girl that Southeast Oklahoma are mountains. So <laughs> I, I, have to, I, have, I have an issue with that a little bit. But, yes, that's the closest thing that you get. So right. there you go. So is, is Albus named, is that a Harry Potter nod? It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we originally um, named him Albus Dumbledoodle. <laughs> Dumbledoodle. <laughs> that's awesome. Albus Dumbledoodle. Is he smart? He is pretty smart, yeah. I've heard Labradoodles are pretty smart. They are. Okay, and they're great with kids. Yes, yeah, loves kids, all sizes. Yeah, very energetic, but yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay, Mm -hmm. awesome. So, um, Mr. Cavett, tell us how and why you started Cavett Kids. Well, okay, when I first went to uh, Children's, started Children's, and then grew from there. At that time, the state only uh, ran Children's Hospital. So it wasn't long before I got there that children were very small back then. I could see about every patient about three times a day. Even. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was that small. Um, <clears throat> and it was uh, right after they first called it crippled children. So, you know, it had a kind of a bad connotation yeah. a little bit. But anyway, what I noticed was our, uh, our chronic kids. For instance, um, it, it first came to me in working with kidney kids that a child that had kidney failure beyond the dialysis unit um, would only last, only live a, at, at most about a year. Wow. And uh, what I did notice was that these kids were isolated. They actually had to go over to the VA hospital amongst, they're not bad people, but amongst yeah. all the old men, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and here's a little kid and they didn't, 
they yeah. didn't connect. That with could them. be frightening. Yeah. And then I noticed that none of the parents knew each other. And so <clears throat> the uh, nephrologist and I said, what can we do to help our kids? Uh, because we know that um, physically we can do certain things, uh, but you've also got a, a mental and a spiritual part and a social part of life. And we're all four. We're made of, we're made of four parts. We've got a body, soul, spirit, and social. And social is very important, too, as we're seeing in the COVID era. Yeah. Um, so um, what can we do? I mentioned, uh, well, we could try camps because we get them away and we can do dialysis at the camp. And uh, then we introduce the kids and ultimately we introduce the parents. So we started a camp and it's uh, now 40. That camp particularly is 43 years. Wow. So it's the oldest kidney camp in the nation. Mm-mm. So we went down to Beaver's Bend. We rented a state park down there and got the kids together. A success. We just had fun and <coughs> came back, evaluated the program, and uh, psychology found out about it, and they came down the next year and, and taped it. And we decided, well, you know, it's, it's one thing to get these kids together, get them to know each other, but we're really missing an opportunity, and the opportunity is to teach them, mm-hmm. okay, how, how to make how life can be better. Mm-hmm. Did my research. And eventually came up with three areas that we could teach in. So at every venue that we have, uh, whatever camp or whatever venue, we want to do some teaching. So I came up with three areas that you can put a lot of uh, little things under, and that's coping, character, and connection. Mm-hmm. So started teaching that. That became a success. Uh, a couple years later, they asked me to do uh, cancer camp. And uh, <coughs> we had some connections that time. We don't now. And so we went to uh, Winter Park, Colorado, put the kids in the handicapped ski school, and we did that camp for 30 years. Wow. 30 years, yeah, plus. Um, um, and then from there, people had me. We started doing day things with teaching, and then from there it just grew, and uh, we started raising money using air various uh, uh, other 501 opportunities and finally had to do our own five of them got big enough at in 97 i think is what our mm-hmm. our official thing is but the reason why is that these kids were just floundering out there and uh, so the idea was to teach them and so we came up with this phrase uh, no one wants to be a victim and that's where you feel here i'm a victim for me and so a lot of parents treat their kids like that mm-hmm. And uh, so they never, it's always, you wait for someone to do something for you. Uh, And we then teach them it's not enough to be a survivor, because what you have, you're going to always be dealing with. But what you learn, what you really got to learn to do is be a thriver. And that means taking your story and being able to relate your story. A lot of these kids, they were at school. They didn't want other kids to know they had any problems. So they sat in a corner, and as a result, uh, psychologically, they just kind of withdrew from all the other kids. But if you can learn to take your story, be able to tell your story, and then use your story to help other people, and that's the ultimate goal of what we want to do in all our venues. That makes us a little different than other 501s. So the idea was to take – it's one thing to go to school, and you got to do the rope, and we know the value of being in class now because yeah. a lot of the kids are yeah. having a problem with – so this kind of fits in what I'm saying. <coughs> but we all actually learn more quicker when we're doing something we like. Make sense? Absolutely. So if you're doing something fun, you don't have to do a lot of repeating of the same thing. Mm-hmm. When you're so when you put a kid, for instance, or even an adult, out in the outdoors and you're doing something that you like, so the teaching that we do fits into that what we're doing and we have themes every year under our three C's and uh, they actually retain it. You'd be surprised how much they retain and even though they've only heard it once or twice during yeah. camp, you'd be surprised what they retain. Uh, I believe it when uh, I was homeschooling my oldest, he's very active. He, I always say he gave me a run for my He's still giving me a run for mm-hmm. my money. But he, I would read history to him while he jumped on the trampoline. Uh-huh. And just that motion, he was able to 
retain it. So I yeah. can completely see that being active helps and, your brain. And these are activities they wouldn't, a <coughs> excuse me, they wouldn't able to participate in because of their conditions. Mm. So we were able to put them in these conditions with medical support. Like I said, we even do dialysis at camp, which is a very big procedure even now, beyond dialysis. And uh, uh, all kinds of kids with all kinds of illnesses, from heart to sickle cell to Crohn's, autoimmune, you, the whole gamut. But uh, you take, and they're able to do things they would thought they would never be able to do. And then to teach them out there. So we teach them the, our three C's. Uh, character, of course, you have to start there with a foundation. Does it make sense? Yeah. If you build a house, you've got to have a good foundation. Yes, sir. Make sense? So you, you build a, and character is important. You've got to be respectful. If you want to get respect, you want to be noticed, you need to have respect. And uh, so all uh, character and so on down the line. So you have to have <coughs> the character part. And then there's a the coping part. There are certain things that uh, it's, it's pretty tough sometimes to have to go through the same thing over and over. And so a lot of our kids become pretty angry. So if... We want to bring them out of that anger of poor me, why me type of thing. And uh, so how you cope. But then there's certain ways that a lot of these ki our kids actually end up, uh, because they are different, being uh, bullied. Hmm. Yep. And so we've had to deal with that last couple, three years. Uh -huh. And uh, so how, how do you cope with these things? So that means how you're going to respond in a way that's going to be beneficial, not detrimental. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is connection which, again, as COVID shows us, connections are important. But it's interesting. I always teach five connects. The first connect would be you got to connect with yourself. In other words, I have to be honest with myself. So if I have a kidney disease, I'm going to have to live with that kidney disease. That's where we learn them, teach them how to uh, know their story, tell the story, not be ashamed of it. <clears throat> you got to be honest with yourself. Where am I at? Secondly, you've got to learn to connect with other people going through the same thing. So that's the reason why then um, camps are important. They can connect. Now, you got a cancer kid with a kidney kid or something else. Uh, one of the side effects, good side effects, is the cancer kid may see the kidney kid having me on dialysis and say, well, I'm glad I don't have kidney disease. Yeah. But the kidney kid may see the, the cancer kid without hair and think, I'm glad I don't have cancer. <laughs> well, actually, they're both. You yeah. get my point? Yeah, it's just so perspective. It, yeah, but it's the idea it's you're not the only one in mm -hmm. this. And everyone copes in some same way, so they learn coping from each other. So you got to connect with people going through the same thing. And actually, that's also the same premise why we have church. But that's the chaplain part. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, and then the third connect would be you got to connect with someone you can help. So if you go through life and never learn to help other people, you're missing part of what, what life is about. And so we, and they grab that real quick. Uh, you'd be surprised, our kids at camp, they start helping each other. One that can't walk as good as the other or something. Like that. You'd be surprised all these other kids just rally around them and get them going. So that's very heartwarming to see that. And then you eventually, you got to learn to connect with someone that can help you. So you can't stay in your bubble. You've got to get out. You've got to get around. And you've got to learn to ask for help. So you've got to learn to ask. It's not always easy. That, that's the hardest thing. It uh, is. In my past, I had um, cancer. It wouldn't go away, so I had to have a bone marrow transplant. Oh, my. And so it was, that was one of my hardest things is to ask someone to do my lawn. Mm, yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. Even though that's a mi minor thing, people want you to just pay for it. But, see, that was one of my outlets. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> so I had to learn to ask. And uh, so that was real hard. And then last but not least, <coughs> as I mentioned, everyone's made of four parts. You've got a body, soul, uh, a social, and a spirit. So you've got to connect with God as you view God. Make sense? It does. Uh, so those are your five connects, and we teach those five connects. And we know from research, uh, this is where I got it, we know from research that you have to have all these to get to be successful, to get through your chronic illness. I love that there's that they can walk away with very tangible things that they can right. do, um, <clears throat> and that they get to have fun doing it. Right. So, is that do you think is that the main thing that makes your camps different? 
the teaching, uh, the connection, yes, it, it was all me. So when you first started, did anybody tell you you're, you're crazy or this won't work? Or, I mean, nobody well, wants to say no to kids, but, you know, I'm sure there was hurdles. Well, the hurdle maybe was me, I oh. guess, because I never thought anything would grow like this. Yeah. I just did what I thought was appropriate. People kept asking me, and I never, if people asked me when you first started out, would you raise money for all this stuff? I know I am not a fundraiser. But then all of a sudden, uh, here again, Chapman's being God kind of gives you this, and you got to to do that we we try to teach using various things uh, like one year we uh, uh, there's this what's called a crisis theory i don't know if you're familiar with that a, a butterfly can flap its wings on one side of the world and that can set off a motion that can actually cause a hurricane on the other side of the world okay so it's called crisis theory okay and a lot of people poo-pooed it but i mean actually it, it is there and people will tell you about it so uh, we talked about that, how you can make a difference and so on down. And so what we did last, you weren't here then, but we well, last day of camp, uh, I uh, purchased a bunch of butterflies. Oh. And because uh, they come, and then we open them up and let people. Yeah. And so they got the idea of the butterfly. That's a good visual. Yeah. So we do things like that all the time. Yeah, that's great. Can you think of any other ways, Neil, that makes your camp stand out? Because you go to camps, they're not just in Oklahoma. You go all <laughs> over the place. Like, tell us where you go and then right. what makes them different. Yeah, so um, we do a camp, like I said, in Angel Fire, New Mexico. That's that's a really fun one, get them out in the mountains. Uh, we do a camp in Pensacola Beach, Florida. Um, and the, the Aldridge Foundation helps us um, helps us afford that camp. I, I can go to that one if you ever need help. <laughs> I'll yeah. go to the beach with you. And I think... I just spoke of money. That's another another thing that makes our camps very different is that all of our camps are free. And so for our families who are already struggling financially with medical bills, you know, a parent has to take off work to um, transport their kid to children's for treatments, you know, weekly, day, you know, whatever it is. Um, a lot of our families are struggling. And so to be able to have all of our camps and programs offered for free is, is a huge help um, to a lot of them. Absolutely. Also gives us a fundraising um, obstacle that we have to raise a lot of money because yeah. taking twenty kids to New Mexico, twenty kids to Florida, um, our largest largest camps have over two hundred kids. Oh, yeah. um, that that adds up. So absolutely. Well, I as a mom, I'm just sitting here <coughs> thinking of the connection part of the parents connecting together, and I bet you see a lot of tears, and just for them to be able to sit down with somebody who completely understands. What they're going through. Well, the, uh, one of the um, other side effects, and it's not a good thing we like to talk about, is that a lot of our kids, you got a chronic illness, but next week they could die. Mm -hmm. That's a dilemma with a chronic illness. Yeah. They look good now, but next week. Mm -hmm. And we've had kids <coughs> like that. I had one kid at camp that he felt, I just don't feel good. I don't want to go home. <coughs> so he had sickle cell. And... Uh, so I talked to him a couple of days and said, okay, let's get you home. I, I respect what you're saying. He went home and he had a stroke. Mm. So he knew it was coming on. Yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But <clears throat> and then what this, what this does is allows the kids to see, unlike a regular teenager, for instance, that thinks they're indestructible. That's the reason <laughs> why the high risk of dry, uh, car accidents are teenagers because they think they're in indestructible. Yeah. Uh, these kids, uh, oh, life is is pretty short here so we need to make the best of it so that's one of the things and then the parents like you said and i, I like to say that parents start we're even r launching out because of COVID. we had to uh with a parent have the parent connect with each other while the kids are at camp so it's kind of a new er newer area we're trying to yeah. grow mm -hmm. because that's very important yeah it is i mean i i can't imagine <coughs> as a parent going through this even with support, but clearly without it, it would just be horrifying. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I think that's wonderful <coughs> that the parents are able to do that. That's great. So Neil, tell me how you came to have a heart for kids, and you t you said a little bit how you got connected with Mr. Cavett, but mm -hmm. how, what what was your original thing that said I, I want to do this? Because your whole life, clearly, you've been working with nonprofits and helping kids. Yeah, so. yeah I have. You know, it, it probably started at, at my church camp when I was growing up. Um, I had I grew up at a great church camp in uh, Middle Tennessee called Bethany Hills, uh, just west of Nashville. And 
I had great counselors, great camp directors growing up, made, gr- made great friends I still keep in touch with. Um, and I, I think I learned early, as, even as a, as a child and a teenager uh, camper, I was able to see how special camp was and what kind of community can be built um, and what, what kind of lessons can be taught in a camp setting. It's, it's, it's something really special. And um, anyone who's, who's been to a, a good camp kn- probably knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's a different feel um, to get to go to camp. So at that camp, as a teenager, they, um, they gave you opportunities to lead the younger campers. And so I would come back. I, w- I would go to camp as a camper, and then I would stay an extra couple of weeks and then lead the younger camp sessions. Um, and I just I, I loved it. I was like, this is, you know, this is so great. I, I'd love to do this. I'd love to get paid to do this. Yeah, one can day. I get paid to do this, please? <laughs> and, uh, and then realized I could. And so I uh, went to college and, and um, actually started out in, in the Air Force. I was an Air Force ROTC, um, and that was my plan to be an Air Force officer. And then um, lots of things changed during the time period, and, and we were drawing back in wars and um, and they didn't need as many troops and so they um, they cut our numbers way down and and let me go which at the time was was a a traumatic thing and I was you know upset I was like I don't, I don't know I don't know what I'm gonna do <coughs> and then um, an internship position opened up that very summer in Oklahoma with um, an organization called Project Transformation and so I came out here and started working with kids um, that was a day camp like a summer day camp that was run out of churches. Um, and, and I think that, that, um, work experience was one of my first times to work with kids from lower income areas that didn't have all the same camp opportunities, um, that, that I would have had. And so, cause that, I mean, that camp was, was very low cost. And so I think at, at that point I was able to see what it was like for kids to have these really fun, enlightening camp experiences, um, that they wouldn't have otherwise. And so... From then on, I've I've wanted to stay in that in that area of working with kids and working with kids who uh, may not have the same opportunities that others have, mm-hmm. whether it's um, an income issue, a healthcare issue, whatever it is. And so, um, like obviously now I'm in more of a of a of kids struggling with with healthcare healthcare barriers. And so, for a kid to be able to to leave their parents' home, some of them for the first time to ever leave home. They don't get to go to their friends' sleepovers. They don't get to go to their own church camps or whatever it is um, because of their medical issues. They need treatments. They need treatments in the middle of the night. Maybe grandparents aren't comfortable, you know, dealing with some of those things. Or um, mm-hmm. there's breathing treatments. <coughs> there's dialysis treatments. There's um, catheters. Med- I mean, medicine. Yeah, the amount of medicine to keep up with. <laughs> and so that's what we specialize in. And we take 30 or 40 nurses with us to, wow. s- to our biggest camp. Um, and, and in our smaller camps, we, you, we have at least one or two um, that, are, that, are, that specialize in that area. Mm. And so for, for it's, it's such a neat thing to see kids, some of them leave the state for the first time when we're going on our out-of-state trips, and for a lot of them, their first time to ever go to a camp. Mm. Um, and so that's... It's, there's so much joy in to help someone get to do something new and uh, something that they may not have ever thought they would get to do before. Yeah. Um, there's, um, <clears throat> I, I live in Guthrie and Oklahoma Christian Camp. Now it's Oklahoma Central Camp. They yeah, we've them. used them before. Yes, mm-hmm. I have got to go out there several times and um, do the uh, zip line mm-hmm. with these kids who you know have special needs and some of them can't even stand up, but they have a hammock that they can sit in and yeah. just the joy on their face. Exactly. It's just... I can see why you would want to get paid to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a total day spent well, right? Is, is helping those kids do that. That's great. So tell me, can either of you or both of you can tell me uh, different stories of, because you've worked with thousands and thousands of kids. I mean, it's, that's a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Since the 80s, that's a long time. So tell me, do you have a couple stories off the top of your head of kids or parents or what whatever I love to hear those stories. Yeah. Well, one that always we got all kinds of stories. I'm sure you and, do. Uh, and uh, the uh, benefit of the camp uh, speaks well because most of the teenagers that graduate out of camp want to come back. So it's like, like you know. But anyway, that speaks a lot though <coughs> to the camp that they want to come back. I remember a young lady. Um, 
she was diagnosed with what's called a neuroblastoma at age three, which is a very serious, terrible uh, childhood cancer. A few adults can get it, but it's mainly children. And uh, <coughs> so she went through uh, all kinds of chemo, uh, two bone marrow transplants, and got to the point at age thirti 13 uh, where there wasn't anything else we could do. So I remember having a <coughs> conference with the family and her and the doctors. We were all together, got, got to know the family real well. She was one of my campers because uh, since age three, she's always had cancer. So she's always related. So camp was very important to her because she said that's where I could do, that's the place where I could just be myself. Mm. So anyway, so at age 13, we'd walk out and I said uh, to her, hon, uh, I won't call her name, but I said, hon, what do you think? She said, well, I knew this day was gonna come, uh, but I'm not gonna die right now. That's interesting. Wow. She said, I'm gonna go to camp. <laughs> she was committed. Uh huh. Well, that was in February, okay. this time of that year. Yeah. And camp's in July. Mm. So, oh, okay, but she looked pretty frail, you know. Mm -hmm. So most people said she wouldn't make it. But you got what's called the power of a goal. Okay, got this goal. She said, I'm going to camp. I checked back with them. They lived in about three hours from here. And uh, sure enough, she was going to make it. I even offered the family to come down to be with her camp. We have done that in the past. Afraid they might even die at camp because it was important, so important for them to come. Yeah. And but the family said, no, we just keep tabs. Mm -hmm. So she got to camp. One day she couldn't hardly go, but the other day she did. And I remember one of the counselors telling me um, that uh, you think she's got a what's called a spontaneous remission. I said, no, it's a power of a goal. Mm -hmm. So she went through the camp, and here's what I want to share. It's why I keep this story is uh, on our way home, you know, we teach our kids, remember, how to help other people. This was a year that the previous year I wasn't able to have camp because I had my cancer transplant. And so we were struggling with the money. And uh, so she said on the way home with her parents, she said, Mom, Dad, I know I won't make it, but I want to make sure the camp goes. Mm -hmm. So here's my idea. I want us to s go home and sell these lap blankets and we put tassels on them, and they did, and they actually had her signature, said, blankets by such and such, mm -hmm. and they sold them on the, on the blanket, and they sold them for $25 each at this smaller town. I had her funeral uh, a month after camp, mm -hmm. but uh, she wanted to make sure that the camp went on. Yeah. That, pardon me here. No, that's, that's a great, yeah. Because you, okay. Yeah. So anyway. A year later, mom comes to camp and presents us with a check for $12,000. Oh, my word, from selling lap blankets. Mm -hmm. Wow. $25 each. Wow. And she did, that, and they contributed for several years after that because it was important for yeah. her to carry that on. So the idea of she grasped the meaning of life. It's not just about her, but how to give yeah. that sense. And it's not always easy for people when you're suffering just like you said, we sometimes we want we want to play the victim. Why me? Why me? Mm -hmm. But for to have a thirteen year old to be able to have that vision for other people, that's mm -hmm. huge. Of course, at the hospital, I meet a lot of adults that don't even have that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm thankful for your camp that you're teaching them that. Mm -hmm. Neil, do you have a story? You know, I don't. Since I, I've only uh, been able to do a couple of, of years of camp, I haven't been able to to know a lot of the campers long term and seen their success but mm -hmm. i i will say stories like that which we have several of uh, unfortunately just because of the the campers we serve mm -hmm. it, it really gives us as a staff and, and me as a camp director a, a, a sense of, of of urgency and importance of, of what we're doing and it's not just another summer of camps for kids who will continue to come back summer after summer after summer. Um, for some of them, it's, it may be their last summer, um, or, or they only have a few more summers or, or whatever it is before mm -hmm. they're, they're limited or they pass or, and so, um, it's, it's a different outlook on, on being a camp director and, and a different, um, like I said, a different sense of urgency and priority and, and what we're trying to do. Yeah. We're, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. I had another teenager uh, that her folks give her away 
after she was born, she went to live with an aunt. The aunt didn't have any money. She came down with a bad cancer again. She was a teenager, and uh, she didn't have any clothes, so we provided better clothes for her. And of course, the camps, she got to go places she never would have got to go. And um, uh, her cancer again was of bad nature, so uh, right before she died, I said to her, "Hun, I said, I'm so sorry that we couldn't help you get your cancer, that you had to have cancer, that you got cancer. She said, don't be sorry. If it wasn't for the cancer, I wouldn't have got to meet you guys. Oh, I'm telling you. So, yeah. Just the, from the mouths of babes, you know, sometimes you get the deepest, yeah. sweetest, kindest uh, things. The other things we do, though, we'll expound besides getting our parents together. We do a lot of, uh, Neil mentioned a while ago, a lot of our parents, of course, are a lot of money spent in the medical. So we've had to pay for their gas just to get to camp give to the hospital to go to camp. Uh, this past week, we paid for a funeral for one of our mm -hmm. uh, children that needed a heart transplant. He got that, but he needed another one. And uh, he died of COVID. Oh, but because he had a bad heart, he died. Yeah. Now, he was a uh, in his 20s, but he was in camp way back when. So, But the mom was single, and her dad died of COVID two hours after he did. Oh, my word. So so we help out these families. As we have a fund just for that stuff. Wow. That's uh, clearly you have uh, very generous people that are supporting you all because mm -hmm. none of this stuff is inexpensive, right. you know, and for the number of kids that you served and funerals and medicine and nurses, I mean, that's a lot. And another thing that we like to do, which I think <clears throat> there's an emphasis on 501s doing that, is connecting with other 501s. Mm -hmm. You mentioned medicine. There's another entity that we, if they have cancer, we can. they like to provide medicines, so we hook them up with that. So uh, <clears throat> I think the secret these days is cooperating with others and uh, so you can help each other. Absolutely. Working together. It never, ever hurts mm -hmm. to work together. Hello. Hey, thank you for listening in on another episode of Conversations Around Good. My name is Hetty. I'm a team member here at Made Possible By, and we wanted to take a moment to share a little bit about what Made Possible By does. We make giving easy for community-minded businesses, and we provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Small to mid-sized businesses don't have the resources that large corporations do to hire staff to process their sponsorship and donation requests or a marketing team to share how they choose to invest in their communities. Made Possible By provides an easy to use time-saving solution to help a company process their request and we help companies better connect with their customers and community by providing a permanent location to share their stories of good. We believe that you don't have to be a big business to make a big difference. We would love for you to reach out to us today at madepossibleby.us or email our team member Tracy at Tracy at madepossibleby.us. We truly want to help you make your good loud. Now, back to the episode. So tell us how um, people can get involved. Somebody's listening and they, they're, you're pulling at our heartstrings, mm -hmm. which is good. We need to be awoken to some things that we, you know, maybe not. I, would people really even think about these kids going to camp? You know, I mean, this could be a completely new concept for someone. So if somebody wanted to help out, where do they go? What do they do, Neil? Sure. You know, um, we would typically have several volunteer opportunities, uh, especially at Children's Hospital. Uh, we have an office there called our Diversionary Play Office. Um, we typically accept volunteers through that program uh, to go sit with kids while they're waiting for their, um, their doctor's appointments and treatments to do arts and crafts, play games, um, different stuff like that. So normally, in a normal year, we would be accepting volunteer applications for that. That's a year-round program, Monday through Friday, um, mostly during business hours. Um, we've had to cut back on that because of volunteer restrictions at the hospital. So, um, But we'll still be happy to take information and, and update you on when that opens back up. 
Another volunteer opportunity would be with our camps. Uh, we're always looking for camp volunteers to serve as camp counselors, camp nurses, camp doctors, um, just general logistical help at camp. Uh, we'll typically take 75 or 100 adults with us to wow. camp um, to help with all the kids. And so um, that's another area that, um, that if, if volunteers want to reach out on our website, um, they, they can uh, fill out an online form and that'll, get, that'll come straight to us and we'll, we'll get in touch. And then, of course, um, donors. We're always looking for donors who want to partner with us, who can donate um, not just money, but goods, services, uh, whatever, whatever it is that you have that you're, that you're able to share. Um, we, we could probably use it. And so um, one in particular fundraiser we have coming up is called Clays for Kids. It's our first, um, first time to do this at Silverleaf up, up in oh, Guthrie, yeah. um, the Silverleaf Shotgun Sports. And so we're going to try a clay shoot tournament this spring. And um, hopefully it, with it being outdoors and um, that'll, that'll help with, with any COVID restrictions. And so um, you can check that out on our website too and, and register online with, with a, a team of five is uh, about $1,200. And that'll include all your ammunition and food and like a, I think maybe a t-shirt or a hat um, and then 50 clay targets to shoot. So oh, that's that a great idea. That's a really nice facility up it there. Is, so yeah. Silverleaf is so great. It's fun. So. And we need so. help at all our uh, fundraiser and our other events for the families. Okay. And what time are you, just different times of year? Yeah, you just have to go on the website okay. and see what we got going. Okay. Tell us your website. Yeah, cavitkids.org. That's very easy, cavitkids.org. You can find all these volunteer opportunities. You can donate. You can sign up to be part of the clay shoot. Yep event okay that's that's great so um anything else new coming up this year well we hope to be able to get back to riverwind down there donates their uh event center okay that's traditionally been our big time uh, fundraising and that's where the kids at the big camps we have what's called kids got talent and where these kids get up on a stage and they do all kinds of Oh, I would love to see that. And so we don't have to pay for any entertainment, the kids. That's right. They want to do that. And something they would never do back home. Mm -hmm. So they come out. And so we always need a lot of help because that's a big one. Last year we weren't able to do it because of COVID. So we're hoping to be able to do that again next November out there. So that's about about 500 people attend that. So we need lots of help getting that pulled off. Okay. Okay. That sounds like a fun one. It is. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Nice. And another thing we do um, year-round is called our transitions program um, for our teens and our young adults to help them begin transitioning into being successful, independent young adults um, that can manage their own health care, manage their finances, get a a good job that they're they're happy with and that um, supports them financially. And so um, one thing that we're we're looking into and and would love to start this year is – what we call a social enterprise of starting a, a a program that would allow them to work. So for instance, our idea is a snow cone stand. So we're talking about opening up a snow cone stand, a, a mobile stand that our transitions kids, our former or current campers would work. Um, so they get paid, they learn job skills, many of them for the first time, this would be their first job um, because finding a job as a teenager with a chronic illness um, that's a barrier having an illness and so um, having a flexible work schedule and um, being able to choose their hours and when you know and us understanding what their their health barriers are um, so that that snow cone trailer is is something that we would love to see happen this year or, or, or early next year um, to be able to give them some employment experience and um, and earn some money and cabin kids could earn some money too yeah. if it's successful so. that's a win-win right there yeah Okay, that's great. I love that you're thinking down the road, you know, for these kids and to help them have life skills um, to be able to get out in the world and do things. Because I can see when you're sick, it's you can't work at the Pizza Hut. Well, transition, that's a new area in medicine where these kids, like a sickle cell at 18, then they're put into the adult world. Uh, but the adult docs really don't know how to handle a sickle cell. <clears throat> I think they might be drug seekers or so on down the line <clears throat> so it's a new area in, in medicine and our kids for instance you can a kidney kid at 18 they got to go to adult dialysis you can introduce them to the new clinic to the new doc to the new nurse 
but our st stats are that only 40% will show up for the first visit. Really? Because it's such a change. Wow. And they're, and they're hard to change. So that's why the transition, so we can get them out of that, so they can change into the other. Wow. Well, thank you for persevering and learning those new things, because I'm sure that you, you know, like you said, that's something new that you've learned to have to mm -hmm. um, work through with these kids. And like you said, medicine changes, so mm -hmm. you got to be flexible. Okay, so we at Made Possible By, we're all about helping businesses with their uh, social responsibility with how they choose to give back to the community. I think it's okay for businesses to talk about how they give back, to share how they give back? Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, we, we couldn't do a single thing um, without, without community members, businesses, individuals, foundations, all of those things. We have, since all of our camps are free, we have no no fee-based income, everything, all of our income is from the generosity of local businesses, business owners, and, and individuals um, who just hear about us and, and, and want to help. And so, um, in, in, in a way, it's helpful for us to know which businesses are, you know, accepting applications for sponsorships or donations or, or volunteer opportunities for their, um, their, for their employees. And so we, we love s seeing which businesses are, are open to that and, and wanting to get involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, it's a principle there. When you give, you get. And so I think even for businesses, that's an important part. Yeah, it is. And also, another thing that you don't think about it, if they know of a child, mm -hmm. that's one of our problems now, reaching out. Hey, you could have been coming to camp. I didn't know about it. Right. So if they know of a child, ages 8 to 19, so we refer them to us. Okay. So give us your website again. Yep, www.cavitkids.org. Okay, so you can tell them about kids that you know about. You can give back. You can sign up volunteer hours for your employees. That's a great way uh, to do some uh, in-work bonding, right? Go serve mm -hmm. together. Go Absolutely. serve with these kids and get a great new perspective. So, uh, Neil, give us your... Um, 30 second shout out if you want to shout out to any businesses or any individuals or whoever else helps you or your motivational statement call to action what do you want to leave people with today that's a deep question i know and if it's i don't want to get you in trouble by mentioning people and then not oh, mentioning yeah, other yeah. people so yeah. don't feel like you have to but uh, my shout out would be uh, if you want to make a difference in life, which when you come down to the end yeah, it, and you look at your life, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Did I make a difference? Mm -hmm. <coughs> and I would say that's what businesses need to do. Why are we here? Just making money doesn't give you all that mm -hmm. in the end. So my point would be help people not be a victim, not just be a survivor, but help them be a thriver. I love that. A survivor and a thriver. I love it. I love it. Neil, you don't have to leave businesses. If I don't want to get you any trouble. So you can just give a call to action if you like. Yeah, I think um, volunteering, donating, just overall getting involved in, in any nonprofit. And um, ours, ours is a great one. And we have those opportunities. I, I think getting involved in a nonprofit like ours you may think you're getting in it to give back and give to the kid and, and in turn, you know, feel good about what you're able to give. Uh, but I can almost guarantee you, if you're able to spend time with some of our campers, you will end up learning from them and being inspired by them, likely more so than they've been inspired by you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it, it's, a, it's a really powerful thing um, to learn from someone so much younger who has been through so much. It's, it's it's a really powerful thing. Yeah, deep souls. They 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 learn, unfortunately, hard things quickly, mm -hmm. um, but they're able to embrace bigger issues, bigger right. the bigger good. Uh, so, what if somebody's listening and they think, well, I can't go away for a whole week at a camp, but I have a couple hours a month. You got a place for them? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we'd love to see them at Children's Hospital, uh, and we we're more so in the OU Children's Physicians on the clinic side. Um, and so kids that are coming in for their routine checkups, routine procedures, whatever it is, 
um, that's that's the perfect place for them to come in either monthly, either you know one day a month, one day a week, whatever it is. Um, sit with some kids, distract them from what procedure or appointment's about to happen. Make their day with some coloring, some crafts, some games. Um, I, I'm not a great, I'm not a very artsy person, so I, I usually tend to do uh, Connect Four or um, Uno, and that. Um, and I, I try to let the kids win, and, um, <laughs> and that that really makes their day. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, thank you um, for taking the time to share your story with us today. I'm. I really hope that people will hear this and be inspired and want to get involved, want to get involved, because like I said, nobody wants to say no to the kids. Well, thank you for your, for your, your time today. Oh, yeah. absolutely. 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 And all right. everything you guys do. We appreciate mm-hmm. you all. Well, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. I'm going to pause for just a second. Okay. Is there anything else that you would want me to sneak in? Cause I can sneak it in anywhere. So if there's anything else that you would want to add in, Other than on the dis- diversionary play, the idea with the kids coming in there, they get nervous seeing the doctor. Oh. And so what would usually used to happen is they go in there and sit. Mom is usually with them, and they just sit alone. And then they're, they get very nervous. So it takes them long for the doctor to settle them down in, in the clinic. Mm. But if you get them in this diversionary play, you got them involved in something, and maybe they're not quite done. Say, well, if you hurry up and see the doctor, you can come back. And actually, we did a uh, study. We were able, by doing our uh, diversionary play, we were able to see more patients and better satisfaction in the clinics when we had diversionary play people. Nice. Just let them win at UNO, and they can go <laughs> go in and, <laughs> and get done what they need they, to do. They feel on top of the world. That's right. Hey, I'm telling you, you, win, you, you, you put down that draw four card, and you're the – you're the <laughs> king of the world. So that's awesome. Oh, great. Thank you. All right, I'm going to pause for a second, and then I'm going to go to our closing. Well, thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. We love sharing stories of good at Made Possible By. If you know of an individual uh, corporation, an organization that is doing great things in their community, please reach out to us. We would love to share their story. You can go to madepossibleby.us or you can email me directly at tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at madepossibleby.us. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't ever miss another story of good. Thank you for listening in to another episode of the Made Possible By podcast. Made Possible By helps make community giving easy. The businesses we serve love to give back to their communities with their time, product, and cash. It's rewarding, but not easy. So let us help you continue to do good in your community.